It's a new day. Yes, it is. Wakey, wakey. Time to get up. Good morning, citizens. Up and at them. Rise and shine. This is your wake-up call, people. Come on. The coffee's on. We're going to get you guys circulating on Christian Radio. I understand young people. I know what's hip. I know what's on. I know what's lit. I know what's fleet. I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. Rise and shine, nerds. You're tuned in to episode 440. I don't know where we were on the script, and oh, it's at the beginning. 443 <laughs> of the Backroom Morning Show, proudly a part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. I'm Radio Matt, the station manager and chief radio nerd here at LTN. I'm a third-generation radio dude and a lifelong nerd. You'd think after... 443 episodes and three generations of radio dudeness, you would know what you were doing, but whatever. Uh, and I'm Mo, sidekick to the chief radio nerd here to bring the facts and fire to your day. And that was a fact. Uh, now, where's my coffee? <laughs> you weirded me out that you said that. <laughs> that was a fact. <laughs> with the show chief radio nerd <laughs> today oh gosh today on the show our final day of examining the characters of encanto today focusing on abuela and mirabel i think people were waiting to know if we were actually going to we're talk about them yet. Yeah. Uh, also on the show today what's next for masks <laughs> <laughs> Got Nathan Lane up in here. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! Are you okay? I'm not. Right. But first, today is Thursday, February seventeenth, twenty twenty-two. We got some holidays to celebrate. That's right. Two holidays that Matt is going to poop all over. <laughs> National Cabbage Day. I'm gonna poop some cabbage. What you talking about? You don't like cabbage. I'm, I'm fine with cabbage. Who said I don't like cabbage? My cabbages. That's an anime thing. Tell me you like cabbage. I like cabbage. <laughs> I don't understand why you think I don't like cabbage. Because Especially you red such... cabbage. You I love are... red cabbage. <sighs> I'm all about red cabbage. I will gobble some red cabbage up. When you get that cheap salad that's almost like, like, it's like two steps away from being coleslaw, I will pick all that red cabbage out for me. Just for me. You done? <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought I was asked a question. <laughs> Sheesh. You are such a picky eater. (laughs) I am, yeah. And, oh, I had another point. (laughs) (laughs) And you're stupid. (laughs) I don't remember. You're such a picky eater. That's my point. Gotcha. There's so many things that you don't like. (laughs) I thought for sure cabbage was one of them. Golly. Look, you rolled the dice, you got snake eyes. What do you want from me here? Anyway, here, poop all over this one. It's random acts of kindness day. <laughs> Tell me why we shouldn't celebrate this. <laughs> we should. We should. <clears throat> we should start by watching um, Evan Almighty. 
Start the day by watching Evan Almighty and then go do Random Acts of Kindness. Because that's what that movie's about. Mm-hmm. And it's a really good... I mean, I won't say it's a really good movie, but it's a good enough movie. <laughs> good enough. That's what we settle for now. <laughs> it is the world we live in. All right. Go, Matt. <laughs> go, Matt. Go. <laughs> well, normally, this would be the time that I bring in a rant. But since currently, the thing that's upsetting me the most is the sound of my own raspy voice. I've asked Mo to think of that couldn't have happened in the better time. I've asked Mo to take over this section for me today. All right, guys. So listen. I... She's ready. She's been ready for this. I've got an article here that was posted back in 2016. All right, so it's it's six years old at this point. It's been a hot minute. Yeah, that's six years ago. Golly. uh Yeah, but the truth of it still is very applicable today. Are you listening? Acapulco. (laughs) Are you listening? I'm listening. I'm ready. Stereotypically, we would believe that women's public toilet facilities are cleaner than men's. However, in a recent, and again, this was in 2016, in a recent study comparing men's and women's washrooms, it was discovered that men's were 1.5 times cleaner than their female counterparts. However, female washrooms were contaminated with E. coli to a much greater extent. The women's toilet facilities were three times more likely to be contaminated with E. coli compared to the sinks in men's restrooms. Matthew? Here's the thing. I went into my school bathroom. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I went into my school bathroom to use the facilities. Okay? In between my morning duties. <laughs> You're welcome. And? Quite honestly, I was appalled. <laughs> If given the opportunity, I will use the men's bathroom before I use the women's. Hands down, every single time. I go in, and there is, like, little pieces of toilet paper that, like, were pulled off and left on the floor in this weird line around the toilet. (laughs) There's hair everywhere. From everywhere. <laughs> the trash, cl- trash can is overflowing with paper towels. The sink is covered in like makeup spots. Oh. And it looks like where they may have brushed their teeth <laughs> in the toilet. In the, the toilet? Wim- in, the to- their teeth in the toilet? <laughs> in the toilet. Room. I'd be appalled too. <laughs> the women at my school are using the bathroom as if it's their own home bathroom. And it's driving me crazy. I can't deal. (laughs) I cannot deal. And I don't know who it is. And sadly, in a school, we have a lot more women than we do have, than we have men in the building. And so I can't just like make an assumption as to, oh, it's probably that woman. No, I can't. I can't pinpoint it and figure it out because if I could, I sure enough would walk into the room and be like, hey, do all that business at home, (laughs) not here. I don't want to see all your stuff 
in the sink and on the floor. Yeah. As soon I don't as, get as it. As soon as you read that, I'm like, yeah, any janitor will tell you that the women's bathrooms are far worse than the men's. I, as being the janitor here at this church for the last, I don't know how long it's been, five, six years, it's been a while, I have only come across two instances where there has been poop smeared all over the toilet, and guess what? Both times in the women's bathroom. Okay, so, but I feel like yours may be a little more, because it's a women's bathroom, chances are that a child is sure. going to go into the sure. women's bathroom. But m- boys poop too, but that's not happening in the boys' room. No, 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 but I'm saying, like, it's there's a greater likelihood that the mom went in there with the kid. So the kid's got to use the bathroom. Okay, come on, let's go to the bathroom. And so that's why it's in the women's bathroom. I'm and listen. I'm just really hoping that all. Oh, my you're l- saying it could be any 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 gender child. Right. I see what you're saying. Yeah. That's a possibility, but <clears throat> at the same time, if that was the case, why would the mom leave all the poop all over the toilet? Yeah. So either way, it's the woman's fault. So, <laughs> in another article that I read, they kind of. Uh, alluded, hinted, whatever, to the fact that women are always in such a rush that that's why their bathrooms tend to look the way that they do. (laughs) I kind of wondered if maybe it was because women are always like, eh, I'm going to be the one to clean it anyway. It's fine. I can see that at home. Yeah. Yeah. Daedra's very messy at home in in our bathroom, but... That's because she knows, well, I'll pick all this stuff up later tonight, today or tonight or whatever, before bed. Um, It's annoying because I'm big, and so I walk in there and I knock all the crap off the sink while I'm just trying to get to the toilet. But still, I understand that at home. But I don't think think that's a valid excuse uh, in public, yeah. Truthfully, I cannot come up with a valid excuse. (laughs) And this is coming from a woman. There is no reason that we should be as disgusting as we are in public restrooms. None. And yet we are. I don't get it. Yeah. People are gross. Yeah. And women are gross. <laughs> I read a whole thread on, uh, I think it was Reddit a while back, of uh, men who pee in the sink everywhere they go. <laughs> like if, you, if, it's, if, it's, if it's bathrooms that don't have urinals. I'm just going to pee in the sink. <laughs> and then there's a whole group of people out there who genuinely think it's normal to take a deuce in the shower and stomp it down the train. <laughs> you know who I've heard are the most disgusting of all, though, when it comes to bathroom facilities? Canadians. Specifically those whose names are Tad Hall. <laughs> uh, for those listening who might be in Canada, because you're one of our <laughs> radio station approved <laughs> listening zones. Um, <laughs> that was that was directed at just a single person, just one not all single Canadian, Canadian who, <laughs> who goes by Tad Hall. Um, and who called me old. JC Phenom says, I used to have to clean the restrooms at Home Depot when I worked there in high school, and the women's restroom was appalling. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it, ladies. I'm just wearing this facade that uh, 
that you're the you're the cleaner gender here. We're not. And then when the doors are closed, <laughs> and you know no one's gonna know it was you. All the stuff comes out. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> all the stuff comes out. Yep, you're welcome. <laughs> all right, let's take a break here. When we come back, we've got your weird news for the day. Stick around. Have you ever been around another person that used a word or phrase that you were absolutely certain you should know, but you didn't? Of course you have. Well, don't worry, nerd, because we've got some great news for you. You're about to learn something brand new. This is the real world, bub, and you need to learn to hold your own in a nerdy conversation. So pull up an ear and pay attention because LTN has another nerdy definition for you. Today's term is cheese. No, we're not talking about that sweet, melty goodness that makes life worth living. We're talking about a strategy in games like League of Legends. In particular, a cheese is an unorthodox, unusual, or unpredictable strategy that is used by a player or team that has a huge risk of failure, but if it's managed to be pulled off, also offers a big win. These strategies typically only work when the opponents don't see it coming, because it's often such a dumb play, no serious player would typically try it. Sometimes cheesing refers to a strategy that uses an element that isn't technically cheating, but most players would consider it to be. An example from my childhood would be from the original Mortal Kombat game, where a player could use Scorpion's get over here move over and over again and never let their opponent even make a move. That is a cheese strategy, a cheap trick that requires almost no skill but does a lot of damage. Simply put, it's bad manners. But why is it called cheese? No one really has that nailed down, as the term actually dates back as early as 1992. However, the leading theory is that it's just a combination of the words cheap, cheat, and easy. So next time you're playing Among Us and someone kills you on spawn, you can call them out for cheesing, because now you understand that reference. the Back Row Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. And hey, make sure you're following us on all the socials. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Just search for at the Back Row LTN and connect with us. Now oh. it's time for Mo's... <laughs> Sorry, I had a cough there. That's why it took so long. Fact <laughs> of the day. <laughs> That's not why it took so long. All right. Uh, being kind is physically beneficial to your health. About half of the participants in one study reported that they feel stronger and more energetic after helping others. Many also reported feeling calmer and less depressed with increased feelings of self-worth. Furthermore, people who volunteer tend to experience fewer aches and pains. Giving help to others protects overall health twice as much as aspirin protects against heart disease. People 55 and older who volunteer for two or more organizations have an impressive 44% lower likelihood of dying early. And that's after sifting out every other contributing factor, including physical health, exercise, gender habits, like smoking, marital status, and many more. This is a stronger effect than exercising four times a week. We're going to church. And lastly, like most medical antidepressants, kindness stimulates the production of serotonin. This feel-good chemical heals your wounds, calms you down, and makes you happy. I've always heard that it's, like, healthy for you, <coughs> but I've never, like, heard the the facts and statistics behind it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's pretty neat. You're welcome. Now it's over to our weird news desk. Here's a news story you might not have heard. Now, uh, this is not... Wait. 
Okay, yeah. <laughs> this what? is this is just just like last time we were here. This is not out of meant to be political commentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. <clears throat> but we're talking about masks. Hey, I think now's a good time for me to go make us tea. <laughs> Scientists find putting pantyhose on your head makes your mask safer. <laughs> After testing seven ways to make masks seal better around the face, re- researchers found that a pair of hosiery does the trick best. So this was really about trying to close up the gaps in the masks. Yeah. But you know, the problem with masks, which has been a problem since the beginning and no one wanted to acknowledge it, is that even if the air is not coming out the front, it's still coming out the, the sides and the ups and the downs. They're not face sealed tight kind of stuff. And so they were trying to, you know, let's, how do we make this better? How can we make this worse? Work. work <laughs> how can worse. we make this worse? It'd be worse for everybody. But, yeah. Uh, so they tried uh, several different options. They tried taping the edges of the mask to someone's face, which would not work for anyone with like a beard. It would not work for anyone at all. There's no, don't put tape on your face. <laughs> they tried <sighs> filling the sides of the mask with gauze. Like, I, I was told that's how you could stop it from fogging up your glasses, put some gauze or even just like a rolled up tissue in the top. It didn't work. Um, nothing works. Nothing works to keep your glasses from being fogged up. Absolutely nothing. There are ways you can maneuver it to where the fog doesn't hit your glasses, but it only lasts as long as you don't move. Um, <laughs> binding the mask to the face with gauze. <laughs> Also known as the mummy method. Oh, that sounds wrap, like a great idea. Gauze around your face. <clears throat> the uh, putting a knot in the ear loops, which is the most common, where you just which tighten hurts. it up. Yeah, it hurts. Uh, rubber bands around the front to create a brace against the mouth. So wearing rubber bands through your ears, <laughs> so that's covering that. That is going to hurt even more when it pops. And then taking a slice of pantyhose, roughly the size of uh, your, kind of like about the size of like a gator would be on your face, and putting that over the mask. Uh, And all of these were better than nothing when tested by measuring the concentration of particles inside and around the mask. But the one that created the best seal was the pantyhose. I'm not doing it. I'm not. You are not going to force me to put tape on my face. You're not going to force me to wear pantyhose. You're not going to force me to put gauze. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I Listen, I have never in my life felt more like women of the 60s when they wanted to burn their bras than what I do right now. I am burning every single mask. You're not going to make me. I don't care. It was not supposed to be political, but it got political. I'm not doing it. However, the researchers wrote the pantyhose caused high levels of discomfort as well as issues speaking and occasional obstruction of the eyes. Uh, for most of the uh, the hacks, comfort was a big issue. The rubber bands, for example, tended to put painful pressure on the ears and face to the point where they hindered circulation to the ears. However, using an effective but uncomfortable hack may be good sense in some high-risk situations where the discomfort is worth it for the added protection, but it would be harder to wear these hacks day in and day out. <clears throat> so, I mean, mm-hmm. this is not this is not something that this is not something that people are like advocating that we're going to do. This is not like the next step <laughs> that the CDC is going to recommend. <laughs> you wait. <laughs> but uh, I'm over it. It's interesting. I really think this really was born out of 
uh, hacks that actual people were trying already themselves to make their masks a little bit more airtight. They're like, let's see which one of these is actually better. But the way it's all been reported is, scientist says, put pantyhose on your face. <laughs> and I think that's a bit of a misleading headline. Because, uh, again, nobody's really advocating you do this. Uh, none of the studies are. But it's interesting. <laughs> please, I feel, don't tell, please don't tell my state government this. Look, I feel exactly yeah, the I'm same. I'm sorry. Yeah, Australia. They're, ooh, yeah. Yeah. Y'all having it a bit rougher than us. Um <laughs> Y'all in Canada. I feel sorry for all y'all. Okay, I got to turn it for just a second. You got to what? I got to turn it. Um, flipping in reverse. It. It's here. Flipping the at the mum. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's a year of buying a chrysanthemum. That's what I heard. Mm, That's not what I said. Um, what is the name of the show? I don't remember. Anyway, there is a show. It was very short-lived, maybe two or three seasons, but there's an episode where one of the characters was afraid of getting, while sleeping, spiders getting in their ears and laying eggs, and so they sleep with pantyhose over their head. (laughs) And so when you first read it, that's all that I could think of. Um, But now that's also all that I can think of. That maybe I need to sleep with pantyhose on my head. <laughs> oh, the old spider thing. That doesn't really happen all that often. It doesn't mm. all that often. <laughs> and we do not eat 12 spiders a year in our sleep. That's not a real thing. Anyway, that's the story. That's the story. And he's sticking to it. All right, let's take another quick break. When we come back, we dive into our main topic. Stick around. What's up, nerds? Thank you for listening to LTN Radio. We just wanted to take a quick second to thank all of our financial partners. Because without you, this radio station and Love Thy Nerd as a whole would not exist. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And if you are not a financial partner with us, but you'd like to be, check out lovethynerd.com slash partner. You can give a one-time gift or a recurring gift straight to the ministry, or you can give directly to LTN Radio or partner with a specific ministry team member. Love Thy Nerd is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and your gift is tax deductible. And we promise that every single dollar donated will be going directly to thoughtful content, relational outreach, and intentional community as we exist to be the love of Jesus to nerds and nerd culture. But if you can't partner with us financially right now, that's okay. The one thing Love Thy Nerd needs more than your financial support is your prayer support. We ask that you pray for our team members, the direction of our ministry, and for every soul that crosses our paths. Okay, that last one kind of sounded like we were going to hurt people. That's not what, that's not what I, you know what I mean, right? Right. This is awkward. LTN Radio. Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. And remember that we air our full morning shows first exclusively on LTN Radio, LTNonair.com, every Monday through Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 10 a.m., 
But if you miss a day or just can't catch the show live, you can find our four full shows and our weekly main podcast by searching The Back Row Morning Show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the podcast apps. Subscribe, rate five stars, and leave a review. Or don't. We're not your parents, and we won't be mad. Just disappointed. This week, we're talking about Encanto. So far, we've taken a look at the sisters, Isabella, Luisa, and the triplets, Julieta, Peppa, and the one we don't talk about. Today, we're going to look at the characters and connections of Mirabel and Abuela. But first, we're going to give you the spoiler alert talk. You got a sound over there? No? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on. Um... Sure. If you haven't seen it yet, pause us, go watch it, because you're going to have a spoiler in this discussion. Hey, I like that one. Ooh, I like that, yeah. That one makes sense. <laughs> Apparently, so does our soundboard. <laughs> um, all right. So we will also discuss the theory on what exactly Maribel's gift was today. Didn't have one. I know. I know. know. But let's start with Abuela. Abuela, the perfectionist. No. That is not what she is. Explain. I'll let you go first. She is the controller. (laughs) What do you think a perfectionist is? No, a perfectionist (laughs) doesn't necessarily need to have control. A perfectionist just needs that everything be done correctly. Whereas, no, they are two very different things. They are two very different things. Um, a controller has to have control of all situations at all times. Okay. Everyone. Well, in a situation, that is what she uses. She uses that word, everything has to be perfect, that she says to everybody. That is how she's controlling people. So that's why I'm using the term. But I understand what you're saying. There can be people that are perfectionists that are just focused on their own lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get you. But that's not what I mean here. She so struggles with control. She's definitely experienced trauma, mm-hmm. which we see. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's repressed a lot of that inwardly. She demands perfection because any cracks, uh, both figuratively and literally, threaten what she has now. So she is afraid, and she says this also in the movie, she's afraid of losing more. She lost her husband. She's afraid of losing more family in the future. Yeah. And she thinks that this miracle, this candle, this miracle, whatever gift is the only thing standing in the way of that. And so everything must be perfect. And I really think, I really think and it's not really told in the movie this way, but I really think that her, her obsession with perfection might have started with the door disappearing. Mirabelle's door disappearing because you saw her look down and the candle kind of flickered just a bit like it was almost going to go out when that door disappeared. Mm -hmm. And I think that worried her. I think that worried her and thought, okay, something went wrong. We have to be perfect. We have to be uh, doing everything the right way to keep the magic happy or whatever. So she is also afraid of the future. She's afraid of future loss, afraid of the unknown. She's controlling. I have that on here. Into the unknown. Again, another. (laughs) She is controlling, yet loving. Um, Mm. She has resented, or she is resented by or feared by her children and her older grandchildren. And she is uh, what we know and see her as the keeper of the family secret. Mm Mm-hmm. 
uh, celebrate recovery programs. The family secret is something that when you're going through a step study, which is kind of a more in-depth um, 12-step process, like you're, you're really focused on this, doing a, a lot of extra homework, that's one of the questions that it asks you, like, what is the family secret? What is the one thing that that your family all knows but never talks about? And so there's the family secret of, you know, what happened to Bruno, of course. Everybody knows that but doesn't really talk about specifically. But I think the family secret that I'm thinking of here is really that the magic is dying. Mm-hmm. We see, you know, Metabelle outside her window, hear her give sort of a prayer, not really a prayer, but talking to her dead husband in the form of a prayer kind of mm-hmm. about, you know, we can't let them know that the magic is dying. We can't let the magic die. Very worried that that she's going to lose the Encanto as a whole or her family or the magic's going to be gone. And because the magic's gone, the Encanto is going to, you know, fall apart. <coughs> All kinds of those worries of what's going to happen in the future. And that causes her to, like you said, be controlling, nitpick, make sure everybody is doing everything correctly, and to the point where it's making everybody else nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there, for me, and I told Matt this before we started, Abuela is my least favorite character. I have a very, very difficult time. She's the closest thing to a villain the movie actually has, even though she has a redemption and she realizes her her struggle yeah. at the end. But there is no like traditional villain in the movie. No. And uh, so everyone is a villain to some degree. To, to some be degree, com- a little bit. Yeah. To be completely it's honest, not, it's not entirely wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we all are our own villain. <laughs> um, so, specifically for me with Abuela, they you said that she's controlling yet loving, and I think that she would like to say she's controlling yet loving. But what has actually ended up happening is that she is so controlling, she has lost sight of love Mm. for her family. No, so she doesn't want, she doesn't want for the family to fall apart, but she is unwilling to accept anyone where they are at all. She's unwilling to accept Isabella. She will not let Isabella live the way that she wants to live. Even when Isabella and Isabella makes that big mess and um, Mirabelle and Isabella try and tell Abuela, no, she's happy. No, she's not. She cannot absolutely, absolutely not. She is not going to be happy like this. Clean up the mess. She's unwilling to allow Isabella to be who she wants to be. She is unwilling to love Mirabelle at all. Constantly pointing fingers and pointing out the fault. Mm. And it may be like a, a sly undertone, like sly remarks, but it's still those sly remarks that leave scars that hurt, that are so very painful. And finally, Mirabelle gets to the point where she's like, no. I'm I'm not going to take this from you anymore. To be completely honest, there's a lot of emotional abuse from Abuela. Sure. 
And I think that that is probably why for me, she is my least favorite. Yeah. Because it gets kind of sugar-coated in the sense that, yes, she faced trauma. And yes, there was a lot of hardship um, that I'm sensitive towards. Yeah. However, her trauma and hardship has caused six people at the very least, you know, six people that we've, well, five so far, but six that we will look at overall who have had to lead very difficult, hard lives and struggles of their own because Abuela dealt with something hard. Yeah. And for me, I, I have a hard time rationalizing that. I have a hard time. That is projecting your own pain and your own hurt and your own fears onto other people, which then causes struggle and trauma in their own lives without yeah. even realizing it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that, that <clears throat> any of that gets justified uh, by her redemption moment at the end. Um, but I'm not saying, but I, I am saying that that doesn't necessarily negate the fact that she does love her family. I think that instead what it, what it, indicates is that she's convinced herself that what she's doing is best for her family and thus that is the best form of love that she can show them okay now still obviously everything that you said 100 percent true very controlling emotionally manipulative it's a very toxic uh relationship that she has with the family mm -hmm. and that is dangerous but like i'm thinking about like my own father Mm -hmm. When I was a young kid and even a teenager, my dad was very emotionally distant, very, um, the only, uh, interactions I had with him were negative ones. Uh, he would take out a lot of his anger on me, but as I've grown up, I've seen he struggled. He was struggling so much during that time in ways that I didn't know. Right. And, and I don't think he liked himself doing what he was doing either. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, knowing times that, that I have, you know, made similar mistakes or struggled with anger or things of that nature, I can see how he got to that point and have that kind of empathetic feeling Sure. of, you know, I see how that slippery slope happened mm -hmm. and I can see how you struggled with that. And as adults now, you know, before my father passed away, we had several conversations about that. Yeah. And, you know, you know, he apologized and he had those kind of come to Jesus moments himself, mm -hmm. though kind of more spread out over time. But like he realized who he was back then, mm -hmm. realized who he let himself become. But that didn't mean that he didn't love me in those times. And mm -hmm. I never thought that he didn't. Right. Um, but I didn't ever feel it mm -hmm. at that time. Yeah. And all I ever felt from him was either anger or control issues. Mm -hmm. And so. I guess I'm just not willing to so easily say that she's not loving just because it's not shown in the correct way. So for me, and. And it might be splitting hairs. I don't know. No, here's <coughs> here's why I'm so I don't want to say passionate about it, but why I think that it is such an important thing to address Um in abusive relationships, whether it be spousal or uh, parental, whatever you know, between siblings, whatever, in abusive relationships, it it is so common 
you know, that people stick around and tough it out because they say, well, I know that they love me. Sure. You know, and that is so dangerous because yes, they may have love for you. There may be an underlying feeling of, you know, overall concern and care for your well-being, but their actions are not loving. Right. You know, and that is something that is very important. Um, and I don't just mean physically abusive because at 36, oh, yeah, no. Emotional, yeah. yeah, at 36 years old, I have come to realize <clears throat> that with my own biological father and myself, the relationship is abusive, Yeah, has always been. And I have had to set boundaries for my own mental health because in a lot of ways he is, he is like abuela has trauma within his own life, has, has fears and worries for the future that then project on me. And then myself being who I am, want to make sure that he's okay. Not realizing that I'm quite literally dying inside, yeah, hurting, carrying not only my pain, but his pain, you know? Right. And all the while excusing, well, he's my dad and I know that he loves me. Okay. He may love me to the degree in which he knows how to love, but there comes a time in every person's life and in their recovery where they have to be honest and admit that the love that they're showing is not love. And it has to be healthy for both parties. Gotcha. Don't hear me say that anything that I'm saying about Abuela's character um, would be me saying, so all the other family should just tough it out. <laughs> right. Because that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Mitabelle's, Mitabelle's accusations in that last moment, that the cracked moment mm -hmm. there, perfectly justified. Yeah. And the catalyst that needed to happen. Right. Um, without that, you know, explosion, no resolve would have come. Yeah. Um, there is definitely, definitely cause for, for anybody in a toxic relationship with a parent or a grandparent or whatever, what have you, authority figure in your life where you have to make the decision to, to leave mm -hmm. or to change the boundaries of that relationship. Right. Yeah. I'm not saying that whatsoever. Um, that, I mean that, that that's not the case that, that you should just tough it out because you know, you love them or they love you. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> like you're, you're right for sure with that. Uh, so it's just a hard, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a hard um, dynamic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To it really explain, is. Yes. Really. Yeah. Um, so let's move to Mirabelle. Okay. Now, Mirabelle, I have labeled the lost. She doesn't know what she's supposed to do. She puts on a brave face. Mm -hmm. She does genuinely love all of her family. You could tell that from the very first song as she is just swooning over pretty much everybody in the family mm -hmm. <laughs> in that song. Yeah. Uh, and telling everybody about it, telling all these kids and, you know, all the people around as if she's singing, just letting everyone know. What a great family I have. Mm -hmm. uh, she tends to everybody else. She's a caretaker. As we see through all this, everybody that she inter interacts with, she is also kind of taking care of them, mm -hmm. helping them get to a realization, helping them feel justified in how they're using their gift or, or the changes that they need to make in using their gift, mm -hmm. helping them realize that when they have these big realizations, it's a good thing. Like, uh, 
you know, Louisa saying that she overdoes it. That's a good thing to admit. Isabella saying that she didn't want to marry this guy anyway. She was doing it for the family. That's a big thing. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't, she didn't shame her for, for, you know, not saying anything about that. She says that's such a, it's such a big move. It's such a, it's such progress mm-hmm. for you to come to this realization and then admit it. <clears throat> but she does have this, this generational struggle that she seems to be most uh, aware of. Um, and she does have a mask of her own mm-hmm. that she wears that we see come out after the door ceremony for the youngest one. I don't mm-hmm. remember his name. Antonio. Antonio. Uh, where she she's afraid that she's not good enough, that she's not worthy. She wants to be given a chance to prove that she's good enough. Mm-hmm. But she's wondering, what, what can I do? Mm-hmm. And so instead of waiting on a miracle like she implies in the song <laughs> instead of just sitting there waiting for something to happen she gets up and she makes something happen mm-hmm. she sees that there's a problem she's like i am going to do whatever i can even without this miracle while i'm waiting i'm going to do something i'm going to work which is a very um very good christian lesson because there are a lot of us who are like, I'm just waiting on what God wants me to do. I'm waiting on waiting the path on the God Lord. wants me to have. Well, while you're waiting, get up and do some other good stuff. Get up and serve somewhere else. Get up and help. Yeah. Even if you don't know if that's the the end goal for your life with God, as long as you're doing things that are good for the kingdom, get up and do them mm-hmm. until God shows you where you're going to be next. Yes. <clears throat> but that's the mind that, mindset that she has. And uh, ultimately... We see that she has a connection with everybody, mm-hmm. uh, including uh, Abuela, in a way that nobody else has a connection with her. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we have the uh, the butterflies that we saw. Them. We see that song uh, that is talking about the two caterpillars and then eventually two butterflies. Mm-hmm. But this is a this is my interpretation here. Is that Minabel does have a gift. And the gift is being the next caretaker of the miracle. Okay. The door disappears because the casita is her house. The casita is her room. She is the only other person besides Abuela that talks to casita. Mm. She is the only only other person besides Abuela that is concerned with everybody else, but in a good way, as opposed to Abuela's concern with everybody being perfect. She is concerned that everybody is is being the actual perfect, like becoming who they're supposed to be, dealing with things the way they're supposed to be. Yeah. Now she has to come around to these things kind of organically herself and deal with her own issues, like even going to talk to Isabella. But basically what she does is get everybody else to open up their eyes to the reality of the world around them and to the house and to the encanto and to the problems that are arising. Opening up Bruno's eyes to nobody wanted you to leave. Mm-hmm. Opening up um, you know, her sister's eyes. Opening up... Giving Antonio courage. Giving Antonio courage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, she's She is caring for the family. Yeah. Now we see this with um, 
we talked about with uh, with the um, the Discord peeps. We talked about the clothing mm-hmm. and how the different things. Yes. So abuela, abuela's dress has butterflies, but then it also has those twin mountains that encase the encanto. Uh huh. Which shows that her focus is on the entirety of the encanto, the good of the encanto, not necessarily on the health and well-being of her family. Meanwhile, Mirabel, like Brother Maud told us in the discussion, Mirabel has little bits and pieces, has a, a symbol from everybody in the family on mm-hmm. her clothes, mm-hmm. meaning that her focus... It's the family. It's the family. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing that she has that's not just sewn in but sewn on is a butterfly. And uh, I think it was Eli that pointed out that in the kitchen, otherwise known in most cultures as the heart of the home, mm-hmm. is covered in butterflies in the stonework. I really think that the whole butterfly thing is pointing us to the fact that you were almost right. That Metabel was almost the house. Yeah. <laughs> that really, Metabel is the caretaker of the house. Yeah. And the family at large that she will be taking over from Abuela at this point. And that's why when the house is finally rebuilt and they make her her own doorknob, when that door becomes magical we see the whole family with her in the front Hmm. so i have a theory okay um i so in all the times of watching it there was um one viewing where i kind of had this epiphany if you will um but i misspoke but I think that it is my misspeaking kind of got me to where I need to be okay so oh gracious now I can't remember but anyway I said that Mirabel means (coughs) miracle which it doesn't there's another M name that's Spanish that means miracle and milagro yeah yeah milagro that means miracle however I think that the reason the candle is losing its power is in fact because Abuela was putting so much emphasis on this candle being what was holding the family together and the casito and the encanto together when in all actuality it's not that it's losing its power but that it's giving power to the one who is going to hold the family together. Yeah, I could see that too. Yeah. You know, Mirabel is the miracle. Well, yeah, they even say that in the in that song. Right. Uh, Bruno says, you're the real miracle kid. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I think that it gets kind of I overshadowed, maybe? Muddied a bit. Yeah, and that's yeah. kind of what I was talking about when we were discussing the flaws. Like, we needed an extra 15 minutes to really yeah. flesh, flesh this out. That's the only real uh, gripe I have with the movie is that like the first time I watched it and it ended, I'm like, I still have so many questions. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you don't really get better. It's more like you just kind of 
pick up on things and uh-huh. feed into your own mind of what this all means, which is what we've been doing all along this week. But like, if we had like just 15 more minutes where we could explain <laughs> exactly what this meant, exactly yeah. what this was, it would help us out a whole lot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yep. But I think that that gets a lot of people aren't even grasping at that, that, you know, it's not that the candle is losing power, but that it's shifting. Right. That's that's Yeah. That's a good. Um, and yeah, you know what? Yeah. Because when the magic comes back at the end, is there a candle? Do we see a candle anywhere? Uh, I believe so. I'm going to have to watch it again because I, I don't remember seeing a candle after it comes back. I thought... Maybe it does. I thought we did. That's what I remember. But I don't think that it's as bright. <laughs> like, it's as significant of a... Maybe. Uh, anyway. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it, but... Also, does Menabelle get her own room or is she going to stay in the nursery in the new house, too? That's I what I need to know. <laughs> no, the abuela, whole house is It's like you said, Abuela got her own room and yeah. she doesn't have a power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but the whole house is hers, so <laughs> I don't know. For the longest time, that whole first time that we watched it, she is the casita. That is her power. And my kids are like, no, it's not. That's stupid. The family doesn't live in her. Mm-hmm. Right. So <laughs> for anyone who's keeping tabs, Mirabel is my oldest. Yeah. That is, it is Topher. Very much so, um, the caretaker, and it makes me sad to say it really does. If anything, this has opened up my eyes to like not my kids' struggles, but how to better love my children. Do mm. you know what I mean? Sure. I don't want to make the same mistakes that the family magic realm made. <laughs> okay. Um, but anyway, kind of lost, kind of overlooked in the sense that his brother is the athlete and is a competitive athlete. And that is his identity. And that is what we praise him for. That is what we acknowledge him for. And his sister is the baby and the sister and the only girl and, and the perfect one. And oh, she's so cute. And now it's all, she's so beautiful, you know? And then there's Topher and what is his thing? You know, it's one. And that's something that I've shared about before since LTN being able to really see him kind of come into his thing yeah, and having a better understanding from a parental perspective and a non gamers perspective of what his thing is. Um, I definitely feel like he's a little less like Mirabelle than what he could have been a couple years ago. Yeah. But it is very much that, well, who am I? Where do I fit in? But I fit in so much that the weight of this family and the um, success of this family, if you will, our relationships are so significant and so, so, so important that I'm carrying that. I'm holding it together, you know? Yeah. It is definitely a, a <laughs> kick you in the teeth kind of movie if you are a parent. So, do you have any final thoughts on the movie or Menabel's character or anything in general to wrap us up? No, I think that I exhausted all of all my right. thoughts. Well, if you haven't seen it yet, if you were, you know, disregarding our sirens, I know we gave plenty of them. <laughs> 
and you have not seen this movie, go see this movie. It is so good. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. It's a fantastic movie with a fantastic soundtrack. Probably the best soundtrack in a Disney movie in a long, long time. Well, so I wouldn't say in a long, long time because Frozen 2's soundtrack was good. I I don't even remember any other song besides Into the Unknown. And I can't say that about Encanto. I remember every single song about Encanto. Well, no, duh, because Encanto just came out and you've watched it 26 times in the last month. Because it's good. Okay. <laughs> you also, your kids were not... <sighs> Okay, here's what I'm saying. I heard soundtrack stuff first, and that made me want to watch the movie. Sure. I heard that song from Frozen first, and that made me want to listen to that song again. Into the end. Didn't make me want to watch the movie. So. And even after watching the movie, I think three times now, I still don't recall being excited about any other song that came on. Oh, okay. Kristoff's song that was like the 80s love ballad to Anna. It was just, I guess, here's what I'm. My, my mindset that was a more classical Disney princess movie kind of soundtrack okay so I go ahead sorry while Encanto as well as like Moana mm. heavily influenced by Lin-Manuel Miranda or well I think entirely written by Lin-Manuel mm-hmm. Miranda for both movies yeah. are movies that the songs are intended to be driving the story forward in a way that you can't watch this movie without really focusing on the lyrics of these songs. While in classical princess songs, they're really just retelling what you already hear in the dialogue. Yeah, you're right. The emotion. You're right. So and I think that's why it plays a little bit more importance in my sure memory. Yeah. And I will say this... And I didn't even, I did not even think of Moana, but both Encanto and Moana are, and it's because of Lynn Manuel Miranda. way around it. Uh (laughs) Um, They are the two Disney movies that feel Disney. You know they're Disney, but they're not Disney. Right. They feel something bigger. Yeah. I don't know. It's very hard to I really explain. think it's a soundtrack. I really I'm do. sure. I'm sure it is. And even truly just the the underlying story that's there that you have to dig into. Yeah. It's beautiful. I love it. It's beautiful. I really do. you think of our topic this week? Is there something we got wrong? Something we forgot? We would love for you to give us an earful. Join us at backrowdiscord.com and message us in the Respond to Show channel. Message us on the socials at the Backrow LTN or leave us a voicemail by calling 575-562-8052. What's up, nerd? You digging this podcast? Well, the audio enjoyment doesn't end there. Visit LTNOnAir.com and make LTN Radio your new go-to for the best Christian rock, rap, pop, and indie, as well as our exclusive LTN shows and podcasts, some of which air on the station before they're available anywhere else. Visit LTNOnAir.com to listen now and find the link to our app. Now back to the show. Welcome 
Welcome back to the Backroom Morning Show. I'm Mo. And I'm Radio Matt. Before we go, we're going to answer an Ask Us Anything question from Twitch. Twitch, get your questions in. It's been a it's been an interesting week. Had a lot of good things to talk about. In cancer, of course, was the highlight. Oh, I, okay. I heard in cancer, of course, was the highlight. <laughs> no, cancer. We didn't even talk about that, Matt. Encanto, encanto is the highlight. Uh, what's a candy you loved as a kid but can't stand now? Ooh, that's a good question, KY. Okay, what is a candy that you loved as a kid? But you can't stand now. When I was a child, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Okay, okay. I got mine already. Peach rings. When I was a kid, I loved peach rings. I liked apple rings more, but I I liked the peach rings just fine. Uh, I hate them now. I want to gag. I want to gag when I see the peach rings. I don't know what candy I liked as a kid and hate now. Oh, Cadbury cream eggs. Oh, that too. Yeah, that's KY's answer. Cadbury cream eggs. I can't eat those. I can eat the caramel ones, not the normal ones. Nope, 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 nope. Nope, 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 nope. Give me a second to Google candy of the 90s. (laughs) All right, while she's doing that, I'll answer Tad Hall's question. What VHS did you wear out the most as a kid? Good Burger. Tad, you know what a VHS is? (laughs) (laughs) What is this weird brick? (laughs) Brick filled with tape? Mm, I love Fruit by the Foot. Oh, gosh. Fruit by the Foot's still delicious. I had some a couple months ago from the youth room. <laughs> uh, okay. I think I got one. Okay. I think I got one. Okay. Ah, Fern Gully. That was a good one. Um, I think... Sadly, and it wasn't just me that wore out this VHS, but Titanic. <laughs> and it was the two well, cassette. Yeah, it was, two, it was the two DVD, two um, tapes. But there's the ep- the episode. <laughs> Good grief. There's the scene where they are. Oh, we all know the scene, though. <laughs> where they're. It's actually before that. We scene. all know the scene that the boys ruined it's... the tape for. <laughs> No, so it was my younger brother who played out the tape, and it wasn't for that scene. He was like four at the time. Oh, okay. And it was the, it's the scene where they're doing the Irish dancing. Mm, okay. Uh huh. And it played at the end of the first cassette, with a little bit at the beginning of the second cassette. Like you had to watch it. You had to split your watching time between the two cassettes. Yeah. And so the end of the first cassette was always messed up, and the beginning of the second cassette was always messed up, because my brother would rewind and rewind and rewind and rewind to those specific parts every time. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. Are you ready? (laughs) I know my candy. what's your candy? Are we saying it now? I already said mine. Oh, my bad. Airheads. Oh, you don't like airheads anymore? Matt, here's the thing. I loved Airheads. Back in my softball days, I used to eat Airheads all the time. I had some not too long ago. My kids love Airheads. But I just had one last week. Our old secretary brought in this huge goodie basket of Valentine candy and treats and stuff. One of the things was the little itty-bitty Airheads, like fun-size Airheads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, perfect. I can eat one of these. I go to take a bite, and it is hard 
as oh, a well, rock, yeah, yeah. like about a hard one. pulled my teeth out. I'm sitting there like. That just means, that just means you got a stale chewing. one. That's not how they normally are. But it wasn't stale. It, they were brand new. How could they have been stale? Maybe they were they just, Valentine's maybe they ones. Just, they maybe were... they just got, well, they send out those Valentine's things at the end of Christmas. <laughs> Pretty much all Valentine's candy is stale by the time Valentine's Day rolls around. You just, like, <clears throat> Pooped all over my point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, no, I'm giving you hope. Yeah. Go try an airhead from the stove. I guess so. Maybe. Get one from the checkout line. I, listen, I just felt like Phoebe on Friends when she tries saltwater taffy for the first time. <laughs> Absolutely one of my favorite episodes, favorite <laughs> scenes from an episode when she's trying saltwater taffy and she's like, like chewing and it's getting stuck in her teeth and she's like, what the mother of is this stuff? <laughs> and then she finally, oh, that's actually really nice. That's delightful. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> exactly what I felt like. Kaylee, there's only uh, one Titanic movie. Just the one. It's just got two tapes because it was long. Yeah. It was too much movie for one tape. Yeah. Uh-huh. <clears throat> but don't watch it yet. <laughs> it's a good movie, but be older. Uh, I mean... <laughs> She's she's old enough at this I point. Guess. I guess. If it was if she was a boy, I'd still say wait. Yeah. But then again, this is a new time. They've probably seen worse by now with no no problem. If you've not makes me sad. seen worse. See, that's I'm scared. Now. I'm so scared of raising these two boys as they get closer to puberty and stuff. It's not as bad as it seems. I know, I know. I'm just scared of it. I'm just scared. Luckily for you, you have a good friend that will have... uh, Well, honestly, no, never mind. Because by the time... I don't have any friends. (laughs) That's what it sounded like. You have a good friend. Actually, never mind. You don't have any friends. (laughs) Don't kick me. Stop it. Stop. Push you out of the chair is what I'm going to (laughs) do and watch you... Squirm to try and get up in this tiny little cubby of a space. It's a very small space. Yeah, I'm not going to help you either. All that I was saying was. Act of kindness day. <laughs> and all that I was saying was by the time your boys get to that age, my boys will have already been out of it by like almost 10 years. And so I won't have any advice for you that will yeah, be relevant at true. that point. That's true. It will be completely different. Dad's <laughs> comment. Mom, dad, stop fighting. I love you both. <laughs> 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 oh, man. You know, it's, it's kind of amusing to me how many different, like, we've been mistaken for husband and wife, father and daughter. Yeah. Like, Nobody ever thinks we're just best friends, guys. That's just it. Best friends. No one makes that assumption. No, never. But that's because this is the world that we live in. You can't be friends. Can't be friends with anybody. They made a whole TV series about that called How I Met Your Mother. There's a whole show just about how those two people couldn't be friends. And they oh, couldn't. my gosh. <laughs> what? What? I have been saying for years that How I Met Your Mother is just friends. It's just like... The new friends. That's all that it is. When really, when you think about it, it really is just the new friends. Tell me how it's not. Okay. How I met your mother just proved that friends cannot just be friends. Like that was their whole premise behind it. That was their whole reasoning for doing the show. We need to have a whole show on this. Most have an epiphanies. 
we need to have a whole show on television shows that contradict their their past television counterpart. Okay. <laughs> Can we do that? <laughs> we'll work something out. You get on it. No needs a conspiracy theory segment. That'd no, that's every segment. <laughs> <laughs> I do that at I least with once news, weekly. With those news stories that yeah. Mo doesn't like. Yeah, always. <laughs> let's, let's end with our verse for the day. Our verse for the day is Romans fourteen eight. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. And that's going to do it for the back row with Matt and Mo. We hope you enjoyed our discussions and hope you'll join us again for our next show. Check out lovethynerd.com. It is positively jam-packed with articles, podcasts, and videos that cover a wide range of nerdy topics. And just like any ministry, we are largely supported by those willing to partner with us financially. As one of the newest staff members of LTN and a part-time nerd culture missionary, I'm looking to build my support team to help this radio station grow and help my family financially as I pour more focus into all I get to do for Love Thy Nerd. For more information, visit lovethynerd.com slash radiomat. Love Thy Nerd is a qualifying 501c3 nonprofit organization, and your gift is tax deductible. Once again, I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. And remember, if nobody else tells you, we promise it's true. Jesus, Jesus loves, loves you, nerd. nerd.